The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 44 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 7th of July, 2020, from the Aviator Sound Studios somewhere in Southern California. On this episode of Squawk Ident, I am joined by the Squawk Ident crew. Together, we discuss the beginning stages of the return to crowded airports and the flights at near capacity. Though that's 85% full due to the CCP virus limits. We also talk about how our flight schedules are evolving and how recent social events around the globe combined with the effects of the pandemic have affected our flying. We share a few stories of passengers behaving badly and much, much more. So whether you're driving into work, working from home, or taking a break from binge-watching your favorite TV shows. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to start off this episode by taking a moment to recognize all of the frontline professionals out there. In the midst of all this crisis that's going on and all of the unrest from the Black Lives Matters movement that's going on around the country, these frontline workers are really putting themselves on the line to keep us all safe, to keep us healthy, and to everyone here in North America and around the world that continues to brave the potential exposure to keep the rest of us healthy and safe. From all of us here at Squawk Ident Podcast, thank you for all that you do. And I also wanted to start off the show today by again saying thank you to Mr. Bart Meltzer for joining me on episode 43. His path to an aviation career has filled the last 40 years of his life with stories of tenacity and exploration. If you have not yet taken the time to listen to episode 43 of Squawk Ident, I highly encourage you to check it out right after this episode. Thanks again, Bart, for sharing your journey with us. Joining us today, he is a DFW-based 737 pilot for Legacy Airlines. He is a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, a former F-111 crew chief, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, and a pickleball master. Joining us from his Flower Mound home in Texas, help me in welcoming back to the show, Rob D. Rob, how the heck are you? Hey, Tony. What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty good. Looks, I think I'm going to add one more accolade to that 
I'm going to work on my uh, javelin catching skills. Oh, my eye. My Many eye. people do that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that'd be a good one to add to it. But no, nah, man, I'm doing good. Good to be back. You know, you got a little extra time now that they've delayed the Olympics. Uh, I think uh, you could probably get in there. I'm sure. Well, I, absolutely. I tell sure. you, yeah, I think I could be a world class javelin catcher. I've seen some guys do it on YouTube and they look pretty good, but I think I can, I can beat but them. But can you do it blindfolded? Well, I, I, you know, once you master the craft, I think you could do it blindfolded backwards any way you want. I, I would have to agree with you on that. Absolutely have <laughs> to agree with you on that. Also joining us on the show today is another exceptional aviator. He's a professional CFI, I, MEI flight instructor, a former Embraer 145 airline pilot, a King Air instructor, and a corporate pilot as well. From his fortress of isolation from somewhere in San Diego, California, please help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Roger. Captain, what's up? Oh, not much. How are you, Tony? It's good to be back. How have you been? Ah, I've been great. Thank you for, uh, for asking. Good to hear. A little tired. Uh, you know, I just, as I, we were talking earlier, I'm on day four of six of uh, two-day back-to-backs, which means uh, the two-day trips that are just back-to-back with each other. I was finished today around uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, and today's day four, so it's been go, go, go with uh, short overnights, and uh, <laughs> I got another two-day back-to-back tomorrow. So <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to taking a break from all this aviation stuff to sit here. And... This, air, this airline thing sounds like a lot of work. Oh, my God. And, you know, the airports are crowded. Now, I know we're not going to all the outstations and all the destinations that we normally go to and we don't have as many flights as we normally had even this time last year but the latest report today was that we're at 55% of the flights from 2019 55% is huge and that's a a great sign for the industry i think yeah especially compared to where it was just a couple months ago where it's only but one in five or 20% or something like that i think it was yeah we're at 20 20 to 22% and you know, in July, uh, I know United, I read that they're ramping up to 25% and Delta was around 27%. And I don't know how accurate those figures are and they're going to be for July. But the fact that at Legacy Airlines and some of the other sister companies that we have, that we're ramping it up that that much is ab- absolutely a good sign. So, yeah, absolutely happy to report that I'm tired. Absolutely. That's great for <laughs> everybody you know, things are hopefully coming back a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, gentlemen, before we get started, uh, about talking about work, 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 contracts, work, 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 aviation. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment and say congratulations to one of our former guests on the show. We mentioned it back there on episode 39, when I had the privilege to interview uh, Mr. Owen Cotto. And that was the episode entitled A Journey Filled with Giving Back. And a big congratulations to him, because as we discussed on that show, he was going to be featured in our sister company's in-flight magazine. And he is now on the June issue of American Way. And uh, I won't uh, read the whole thing to you, but I'll put a link in the show notes. And in the July, or I'm, I'm sorry, in the June issue of American Way, Owen Cotto, a Miami-based Airbus A320 first officer for Legacy Airlines, uh, kicked off Pride Month by sharing his career path with the company 
how he has given back to the community, and his pride in the company's support of inclusion and diversity. It's just a, a big thank you for Owen for sitting down with me for that interview, and we're just so very proud of him. So congratulations, Owen. Big time. Good job, Owen. That was awesome. Yeah. Great job. So this week, what has it been like? I know we've all kind of been up in the air and flying. And, you know, Roger, let's start out with you. How have you been in the past few weeks? Well, it was a pretty, pretty slow um, for, for a month there from the beginning of May to, to the end of May. And then I was gone for, I actually had a, a, a five-day trip. Um, you know, five-day trip being somewhat relative compared to what you guys might call a five-day trip. Um, but I was gone this past week. We left on a Sunday and, and flew out to Austin, Texas. And then we were actually just out there for three full days. So we just, we were just sitting around for Monday through Wednesday. And then we flew back and actually had a, um, a couple stops on the way back, which was actually somewhat notable just because like you were just talking about in terms of, of legacy airlines starting to put flights back into their schedule. Um, all three of the airlines actually um, putting flights back. We actually made our first business stop it's since March, hmm. which I think is hopefully going to be indicative of, of what, of working, working our way forwards. Cause that's, we would normally go out and, and do um, some personal flying, but it was always, it was almost always coupled with some business flying. We haven't done any of that for the past three months or so. Um, but this was the first one. So I'm hoping that things will start picking back up. Not just for us, but for for everybody else, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, and it's great that you had a, a chance to get up there. Now you're current. Yay! I know we were worried about that, and we. I know Rob has been has been very concerned about my my currency. I'm I'm happy to report that uh, I am I am more than current now. You know, I've got <laughs> my. Uh, I don't know if I I think I've probably got four landings or so within the past thirty days now. So wow. I know I know Rob's making faces at me. He's pretty impressed. I am. That's that's incredible. I, I even every time I talk, <laughs> every time I talk to you, I'm like, how does he get his landings in? I don't get it. <laughs> that's yeah, good. I, I th that third one, I finally hit the center <laughs> line. I found that that white stripe for the first so time. So was while, that so. that third one on the same approach or <laughs> just kidding? It was on the third bounce. Does that count? Each, yeah. If you leave the pavement and you retouch the pavement. Yeah, I think it counts. Right. No, I'm kidding, folks. Yeah. All right. It was the well, third one after how many go-rounds, right? Well, you know, it's just a landing. We didn't say anything about how many approaches that took. Right. I counted each one, and I logged it for my instrument currency, too. Oh, well, if you have your eyes closed, you know, yeah. Do you, yeah, do you count it as night, too, if you have your eyes far. closed when you're touching yeah. down? I like that idea. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we should try that. Right. Yeah, yeah, or just put your put your face mask over your eyes, and maybe you can count that yeah. as an IFR approach. Yeah. Your foggles. There you go. There you go. I'm gonna log it as actual too. Yeah. There you go. You have the other pilot, pilot there. Maybe your safety yep. pilot. Yeah. Safety pilot. There yep. it is. And you got the and you got the oral warning unit telling too low terrain terrain pull up. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. Don't worry. The airplane's looking out. <laughs> well that's great roger uh well, rob what about you have you uh been up there i know you took a couple flights in there between the last show yeah, that was a couple on. yeah yeah i had a uh day trip uh the following friday after our last uh, podcast i think um i did a uh 
Fort Myers turn out of Dallas. And so that was a really easy, straightforward trip. There was really nothing uh, out of the ordinary on that one, other than a little bit of weather over the Gulf initially. Um, so we were routed over over uh, mainland, over, yeah, over right? Over the Gulf? Crazy. Over the Gulf. What's that called? Uh, hurricane season. Her what, what's the name of that hurricane? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Pepe or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's one churning out there. I, I haven't really been paying too close attention to it. I keep getting notifications on uh, on my phone about this thing. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, Cristobal, there's and I actually think it made Cristobal. landfall just a, just a few hours ago also. Oh, where where did it make landfall? Was it New Orleans? It was uh, East Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. yeah I'm, you know, it it it's you know we'll probably talk a little more about it down later on in the show, but I I, I have turned off the TV almost completely in the past few you know few days because it's just so much going on. Good so for you. you know, I yeah this weather stuff. Usually I get that from you know the, the news and everything like that and. Um, just with all the craziness going on, I've just shut it off. So, Ooh, crystal yeah. ball a lot of has energy. made landfall. Yes, Ooh. yeah, it looks like a pretty good rainmaker right there. Yeah. So yeah, we on that trip. Yeah, we had, they had a little bit of weather over the Gulf, and um, Tony, you may be familiar with it. Roger, you too, if you're headed down to that area, you know, south of my South Florida. You know, the the one fix that sticks out of my mind is redfin. You know, it's like redfin the. Uh, uh, you know, the, the tuna the real estate thing <laughs> yeah, or that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that wasn't on our flight plan. So immediately I was like, why, why aren't we going over Redfin on this one? And, you know, when I finally looked at the, the big picture, you know, we're routed all around Pensacola and everything, mm. which prompted me to go, huh, I should look at the weather over the Gulf. <laughs> and sure enough, there was some stuff, but it was also moving inland towards our, our route. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, we, we ended up, um, uh, leaving maybe about a half hour late for some reason. I can't remember what the reason was. It was really irrelevant. But as we got airborne and, and headed out, got checked on with Houston, uh, we heard guys getting rerouted over the Gulf. Uh. And uh, so, you know, I got the uh, nod from the captain. He's like, yeah, that's what we want to do too. So ended up going over the Gulf, which basically made us uh, cut, cut our flying time probably in half by like, you know, by, not in half, but like half hour. And so we landed on time, turned around, came back, flew yeah. over the golf. So that was a nice, easy trip. Um, two days later on Sunday, um, I had a uh, really easy uh, one leg to Chicago in the evening time. Mm -hmm. Walked right across the street, spent the night at the uh, Chicago Hilton. And then uh, the next day at about 9, nine o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, walked back over to the terminal, flew Chicago to Miami. And then uh, I'd headed home from Miami to Dallas. So nice and easy trip. That was the last trip that I've done. That was that uh, ended on the first. I've been on call ever since. So um, kind of mid mid ranks in the uh, seniority list. So yeah, haven't been called out for any trips. But um, it's been nice to uh, sit at home and uh, enjoy the time with the kids and the family. And good and enjoy it while you can. You know, oh, absolutely. And I, I've I've got to say, you know, you text me a, a photo the other day and yeah. I was one? pretty impressed. And I was like, are you serious? Are you really doing it? And you, you sent me a photo of a, of a <laughs> oh. boat, pontoon boat. And you're like, yeah, I'm just boat shopping. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, God, <laughs> I'm really rich. This guy, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, he sits at home. I don't know if you guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have been following it, but 
stock has uh, taken off in the last couple of days. And uh, if if you guys didn't invest when in March when it was rock bottom, uh, you kind of missed out. Yeah, the president today did. Uh, said something yeah. about uh, Warren Buffett made a big mistake by selling all of his American airline oh, uh, stocks because the American yeah. airlines out there in the U.S., uh, they are going to just explode because, you know, this is, yep. I've saved them. And, and yeah, yep. it's, you know, what, 13 something dollars an hour for, like, or 13 something dollars uh, a, a share for legacy airlines right now and yeah. growing. So, yeah. and yeah, that has a lot to do with the Chinese um, airlines that are now going to be banned, which we might talk about a little bit later in the yep. show here coming up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's some interesting news coming up and, you know, it's, I'm glad you got to get out there and, yeah. and you, you so maybe airlines will buy me a boat. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when you said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to buy a bunch of this airline stock now that it's like about 10 bucks. And, and I, I got like, it at $8 that... and 30 cents a share uh, and I sold it at 22. For all you you guys listening out there, these these two wackos don't don't take stock buying <laughs> advice from these two guys. Okay, but please do not <laughs> listen to them when it comes to buying or selling any stocks. Yeah, I got to tell. Oh my goodness, I am as green as the next guy on stock stuff. But I had a feeling that there was no way that that stock was gonna go any lower than eight dollars i didn't touch it because i i was like i don't even know if they're gonna you know what people again. have said that before and they've yeah. been wrong too yeah, yeah i'm sure they have and i didn't i didn't invest a ton of money but um you know i was like i, I this is too good of an opportunity i could you know i kept my fingers <laughs> crossed obviously and believe me between march and now it was you know, I'm like, oh, I need to take a Xanax because this is not good. <laughs> the risk reward was definitely in your favor. But please, nobody take advice from the stock market from any of us. Uh, yeah, thank dude, you, Roger, was... for saying that because, you know, oh, my God. I just want to keep us all out of some trouble here. Yeah, because I don't yeah. want people calling up and leaving reviews about, you know, how they lost their life savings because of us. Uh, like, yeah, that was totally well mine's gonna be in a boat so <laughs> <laughs> which is essentially the same thing yeah so. yeah yeah i hope you have good i mean if we're really mm. talking about it i <laughs> may have uh, if that cruise industry could come back i may have dabbled in some of the uh, some unnamed cruise lines so what maybe if those you? can come back too maybe maybe these cruise lines can buy me a boat yeah i think you're sitting on a gold mine if you did wow <laughs> So what are these stocks that you guys are talking about? What is it stocks? I just go to work. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> man. Remember, the grass is only greener where you water it, so you got to invest yeah. in your own company. Yeah, yeah. That's very true, and that is very true. And I did do some juggling in my retirement plan and tried to diversify my portfolio now. It was a good time to do that. Not to sell, but to buy and spread out that wealth so that in retirement you can get you know, a good balance at the end of it. Um, you know, just, I've been following Dave Ramsey for, for many years and following his techniques and I play the safe game and want to live as much of debt free as I possibly can. And so I applaud you guys for taking the risk and, uh, you know, and, and on episode 45. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Squawk. I did cruise. <laughs> Stop buying retirement plan. Yeah. Chapter 11. 
So yeah, yeah, just invite me to the boat when you get it, okay? Just so we you can have a couple man. beers, you know. <laughs> you betcha. Anytime. You're welcome anytime. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my my weeks of since our last show of flying have been plentiful. Um I I don't know uh why I'm still holding a decent line in my seniority. We'll see what happens after the big vacancy displacement bid comes out. We're all kind of all on pins and needles. Have you heard anything? Is it coming out? Supposedly in a couple weeks, they're going to announce the preliminary and I'll find out if I'm still going to be an LA Airbus FO or if I get displaced onto a different equipment or a different base. And this is just in an effort to kind of revamp the structure of the airline. We've we've seen these articles in the news and on the internet about how uh, all these airlines are going to be restructuring and be smaller uh, after this whole COVID pandemic starts to um, come back to normalcy in terms of the economy and air travel. And we're starting to see a little bit of that, but Either way, no matter how good it gets, the airlines, all of them in the United States of America, they're going to be smaller. They're going to be more streamlined, a little tightening of the belt, uh, you can say. And so we've talked about this before uh, on shows together where there's going to be a big vacancy bid um, and displacement bid because they've parked a bunch of airplanes. They've closed, not bases, but those airplanes won't be flying out of those bases anymore. And then they're moving some airplanes to different bases like Philly and uh, Rob help me out here what's the other one they they announced that they're going to add a i think the, yeah, they're going to add a, a base to 787 base to um oh and I, you put me on the spot was it <laughs> was it Philly and I think it was, yeah I think it's Philly and, and then they're also going to add a 737 base to Charlotte Charlotte yeah so so there's going to be a lot of this shuffling of the of the pilot group and because it's Based on the pilot's preferences in their displacement bid, so they have a, a bid in the computer and saying, okay, uh, if I get pushed out of my base because my seniority can no longer hold that aircraft at that base, then what are my choices or my preferences? So if your displacement preferences are, well, if I can't hold, for me personally, if I can't hold an Airbus in Los Angeles, I'd rather go to the 73 in Los Angeles because I would rather not commute. I've done that for over a decade in my previous history with other airlines, and I just don't feel like I want to do that unless I have to. Um, so I'd rather do that um, if, you know, 787 long-haul wide body opens up for a FO, which with my seniority would be like FOB or FOC or whatever it is, where I'm basically a relief pilot going over to to Asia or, or New Zealand or wherever they go, um, then I won't be doing landings. I'll be going to the uh, Dallas uh, training center every 90 days to get three landings in because as a relief pilot, you are basically in a bunk uh, for the duration for most of the flight. And then when you're running breaks four hours in or whatever, you run breaks for the other pilots. And so they get their rest on these long haul flights that are going over you know, the ocean. So uh, who knows? I possibly might get displaced out of Los Angeles completely and put on an aircraft at a different base. Um, and I have my preferences for that as well. So when this whole thing runs and is completed, then we'll know with the preliminary where we're going to go. But then the pilots have an opportunity to go, well, okay, I was awarded this over here at this base, say Dallas. 
but uh, I can see that my seniority, I could actually have done this instead. So during the preliminary, you can kind of adjust things if there are people more junior to you with with a different base that you might prefer more. So and there's a lot of legalities and union uh, issues with that and contract issues. So it gets really complicated. So I'm sure it'll be more than one run. It'll probably be two or three runs before everybody kind of gets settled into the to groove of things. And then by then, I'm sure the company will change things around again. So this is actually going to affect a lot of pilots for a long time. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but for now, I'm flying basically my regular flying. I've been very fortunate. Um, I'm not that senior, but I'll take it. I, there's enough people above me that are taking these voluntary leave of absences uh, that helps out with my bidding process for my monthly bidding. Um, and I've been flying close to 85, close to sometimes 90 hours a month, which is a little more than average. So this this whole thing has... It kind of, it's kind of tiring, to tell you the truth. Um, since our last show, I've done a two-day uh, with a Washington, D.C. overnight. Uh, I've had a few days off, and I've, now I'm doing, as we mentioned before, three two-day trips back-to-back, meaning no days off in between. And I'm in the between right now, my second and third trip. And the trips have been fairly consistent. Uh, there a lot of flying in a day, relatively short overnights. It doesn't really matter to me right now because most things are boarded up, shut down, hard to find food, nothing really to do on the overnight. It's not like I'm like, well, I was going to go for a run in the park. It's like, not really. Um, but it's been a definite increase in how many passengers I am seeing on board the aircraft. Uh, we are, for the past, well, three days now, every single flight that I was a part of, we were at capacity, meaning the maximum of 85% capacity, which is what Legacy Airlines is, is currently offering up. And we're full. And some people are upset about that. Others are totally okay with it. They're excited to see you know, the return of aviation uh, come back. Uh, my flight sequences, I had a couple incidences this week. I don't know, Rob, did you have any passenger misconduct issues or anything weird happened? None. None uh, that I was aware of. Um, people were, for the most part, um, compliant with, um, you know, all the uh, the new standards and safety and stuff like that. I mean, you know, the social distancing thing is, you know, they do their best. But, you know, when you're boarding and you're deplaning, they ask you to say six feet away or whatever. and um, you know, you just end up crowding the person in front of you anyway. Um, yeah, especially when you go to get off the airplane, everybody's like, to get off this thing, you know, so <laughs> standing yeah. back to back. And, uh, but as far as the, uh, you know, the face coverings and, and masks and stuff like that, it, everybody had one on getting on the airplane. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they were drinking or snacking, you know, they, they pull it down, which is, you know, that's got, we got to do. Right. Um, and then, you know, the guys that were, uh, the, the no way kind of guys, you know, I'm not, not doing this. As soon as we parked the airplane, they took it off and they're, you know, walking off the plane without it. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as, uh, the week went and, you know, a couple flights that I did, everybody was pretty much, it looks like people are happy to be going places. Um, you know, you didn't, I didn't see too much, um, 
too much uh, people that were worried about, you know, being in a in a crowded airplane or a crowded airport. Yeah. I think uh, most of the passengers looked like they were uh, just you know happy to be going places, and uh, you know some, the the stores were open in the in the in the terminals, and the stop shops were. Uh, I wouldn't say the shops, but like you know the restaurants were open in the terminals, and and. Um, was it a good percentage there in Dallas that w- was open? Yeah, really. Yeah, it it was. Um, you know the the. Uh, you know, obviously, when when everything happened, everything was shut down. I mean, there right. was maybe one place open in the terminal that you can get, you know, food. Um, and now you've you've got uh, the fast food places are open. Uh, you're getting the, some of the restaurants. They're not, they're allowing people to sit down again. Um, and you know with social distancing you know they block off some tables and stuff so that you can separate mm-hmm. um so uh coffee shops are opening up in the in the in the terminals which is great because uh i think we all miss that, that stuff um so but you know I've, with that being said since our last broadcast literally i've been to dallas chicago and miami so i really haven't been to too many airports um and obviously all three of those are uh legacy airline um, airports. So, Clubs, yeah. uh, yeah, it'd be interesting that, uh, how, how other places are doing. Yeah. Well, congratulations to the Dallas Fort Worth international airport. DFW I read this morning has now, uh, become the world's busiest airport. As- yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. <laughs> and that's, I mean, the world's busiest airport. <laughs> so, you know, that it's good news for us, um, yeah. for legacy airlines. Um, and it, Really happy to hear that and read that this yeah. morning. Um, I've had a couple issues, uh, and I know this will probably entertain Roger because he probably remembers <laughs> from his regional days having to deal with these kind of things. But uh, so you know, we all know about what's going on with the the unrest and the protest happening happening all over the world at this point. Uh, you know, France, England. I mean, a lot of countries are joining in. And and rightfully so, the uh, the George Floyd murder, which is really what it was, regardless of what your opinion is on the reaction to all of it, uh, things need to change. And, and this is not a show that where we discuss the political topics. We're we're here for about aviation. But in light of what has happened, um, I actually was flying the next day, and, and this was. Uh, about two, actually two days after the event happened, um, and we started to see large protests, and we also started to see looting and rioting, um, and, and that's unfortunate. Um, and I applaud those protesting. Even in my neighborhood here, we're pretty far removed from downtown LA, and yet even on these streets, families out with their children and kids, teaching them about our rights as American citizens, protesting with signs peacefully, uh, honking horns as they drive by at these major intersections all over town. And, and that's wonderful to see. But that's also created issues. Um, and I had an issue on the first day of this sequence here. Uh, and a passenger got on the flight. We were in the cockpit doing our pre-flight checks. Uh, I believe I was in the middle of doing a departure briefing, giving the captain uh, the departure briefing, which 
Uh, what we normally do uh, at the airline level is prior to every flight, it's required that we do a pre-departure briefing. And that includes uh, potential threats between the two pilots to open up lines of communication to make sure our threat and error management model that we use at our particular airline is being satisfied. Uh, and then the pilot flying gives the brief. In this case, I was the one flying that leg out of Los Angeles uh, to Charlotte, and I was in the middle of the brief, and the number three flight attendant you know, comes into the cockpit relatively quickly and says, number 24F, she's coming off the airplane. She's coming off the airplane. I'm not going to have her on my airplane. And we both I stopped, and I, we both turned around, and the captain's kind of looking at her like, what the heck is going on back there, you know? And she's like, I will not be spoken to that way. And she will shove me. And, it, and that's a physical, she was physical against me. And I I'm like, hold on, let me call a manager down immediately to resolve this. Okay, what, remove yourself from the situation. I don't want to end up on YouTube. <laughs> and the captain turned to me. He looked at me like, you know, amen, brother. Let's, let's go talk about this. So, yeah. so uh, and he was very supportive. And he goes, well, you know, come, come in here, come in here. So he you know, I took charge of the situation. Meanwhile, I got on the radio and I called our operations and said, listen, we need a customer service representative down at the aircraft immediately uh, for a passenger that's in, in 24F. Okay. Meanwhile, the number one flight attendant, who's the lead flight attendant, the purser, he sticks his head in the cockpit. He happened to be a, uh, an army veteran, I believe. Uh, and he was a young black man. And he says, can I go? I'm just going to go back there and, and find out what's going on. And the number three is like, oh, you don't need to talk to her again. You know, I, I already made my mind. Oh, okay. You know, so he goes quietly back there and he goes to assess what's happening. Because at this point, we really don't know what's happening. She is so distraught. She's just kind of, you know, hands up in the air. And so she's calming down. Now the gate agent that worked the flight has completed boarding and she came onto the flight and she was a, you know, a, a petite lady and she was shaking. Not shaking from fear, but shaking from just the stress level that she was going through. And so as everybody kind of was like in their little circle talking, I saw this woman who was probably in her late to late forties, early fifties and, and shaking and she's going, I don't know. I just, I know we're all done boarding, but so I kind of see this and no one's really kind of paying attention to her. So I stand up and I, and I, I ask her, can, can we go, let's go on the jet bridge. So we go on the jet bridge. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? Can I help? And she says, well, you know, I didn't know they were a group of 12, and if they would have come to me 30 minutes before the flight, I would have easily have put them together, but I didn't know, and it has nothing to do with race. I didn't know, and just because, and so, come to find out, there was a group of 12 college-age individuals who were on this flight, who were going there, who were protesting earlier in the day, who were really revved up, and they approached the gate at boarding time. And said, well, we all need to sit together. And I know this airplane's empty. And when the lady goes, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Immediately, the race card got pulled out. And was saying, you're just, you know, denying us because, you know, the color of our skin. And so she's getting nervous because she's like, no, no, I just, I just I can't. It's too late. I can't move this around right now. And, and because of social distancing, I can't, you know. So she got all worked up. Now these passengers came on the air aircraft and they were all worked up. And when they got into the aisle to take their seat, a number three flight attendant was in the back and she got shoved by a passenger. And when she turned around, my flight attendant, who was an older lady, 
said, excuse me, you know, and the passenger's like, get off me. You know, what, what, you're, stop giving me a hard time. Why, why are you treating me like this? You're not treating anybody else like this. So, <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, it got ugly. So here, now we're all caught up, and my number one flight attendant comes up and says, I handled the situation. They're going to be fine. I talked to them. They're going to behave. She apologized. If you would like her to apologize to you, to the number three flight attendant, uh, she, she said she's willing to do that. She just doesn't want to get kicked off the flight, and she's just all revved up, and she apologizes. And the captain at this point is like, well, wait a minute. No, I mean, we've made a decision here to remove a passenger who's physically kind of shoving and pushing. And although it's not a big, huge deal at this point, it's still, it's, it's made people uncomfortable and, and we just, there was an infraction for sure. Right. So at that point, the flight attendant goes, you know what, you know, she doesn't know me. I don't, you know, she doesn't realize who I'm married to and who, and who my children are, because if she did, she would feel stupid. And we didn't press on it. And we were just like, well, what do you want us to do? And she goes like, you know what? I just want to go home. I want to go to my husband and my kids. And I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. And so the captain's like, well, are you sure? Because, you know, we'll back you up. And whatever, you're the one that's back there. You know best. And she's like, no, I just want to go home. So fine. So the whole thing kind of turned into this big dramatic moment with multiple people involved. And for what? Because we had some heated emotions, some racial hypersensitivity to sensitivity yeah. to that and and it's unfortunate because the entire country was going through this during those few days that we were in the air and so it immediately sparked a conversation in the cockpit you know if we handle this situation again on the next flight what's the best course of action how can we make sure this doesn't escalate um and we really need to focus on being friendly being kind, being inclusive, um, and, and not have those unconscious biases that we sometimes have as humans. And that we've talked about here on the show in previous episodes on flight training and how these special programs around airlines around the country over the past well, 24 months have been focusing on inclusion. So it was actually an interesting thing that happened. Uh, there was a little bit debate between those of us, both on the flight deck and in the cabin of that flight and the next flight, where we kind of talked about, continued talking about it, about how we should have handled it versus how it got handled. Um, and I'm not giving 100% of the details because obviously I'm trying to protect everybody involved. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's a little frustrating to have to be put in a situation and, and really put your best foot forward and try to maintain professionalism and not offend anyone and you know still try to do your job and maintain security and and on all the aspects of our of our job but it was tough yeah. to handle that that's a good yeah it sounds like you did well you did it well at the minute and it also goes to show everybody uh kind of going down a slightly different path of training um you know we we've been through numerous classes on this we've been through uh um Sorry, my dog's distracting me down here. We've been through numerous uh, classes and uh, on you know diversity, and um, we go through security class training. We do that every time, and until you're dealt with a situation, you never know how you're gonna how you're gonna handle it or how you're gonna react. And sometimes you know you can 
you can do the same thing over and over and over again. And when the situation is actually presented to you in real life, no matter how much training you have, you may react in a different way, or you may not remember any of your training immediately yeah. until something, you know, corrects your mindset down the path of what you should be doing. Yeah. And it sounds like you did a great job there. Well, thank you. And, and I am a firm believer that it's important to talk about these things. It, it's part of the reason we have a show, to get the information out there, what it's like on the journey of a typical airline pilot or an aviator in today's marketplace. That's what we're talking about here, not just with the airlines as well, but also with general aviation, also with charter operations. I mean, we deal with these things, and a lot of times we deal with scenarios a little bit differently depending upon our, our operation and the phase of our operation. And it's good to talk about it because when that actually happens to you, in the back of your mind, you remember that story that you heard or that event that happened to you years before, and he'll help you just make those decisions a little easier. So it's not about being better. It's about just having the decisions easier to make. You know? And Roger, did you ever have incidences when you were flying for ExpressJet that had passengers maybe misbehaving a little bit? I was fortunate enough that I don't, that I never had anything that escalated very far at all. Um, there were several times where we had minor, um, and they were all alcohol related, um, but minor, minor issues, if you will, yeah. nothing remotely close to, to any of this. You know, I think that the thing, you know, Rob brought up the, the training aspect. You can't train for, for anything that's going on in, in today's, in today's world, you know, unfortunately you've got a little bit of a, a powder keg, if you will, because of what, because of the virus and because of what that has done to the world. Um, and I think that people are, they're raw, they're scared. I mean, I know that I am to, to a certain degree, Unfortunately, it's calmed down a little bit, but, um, there's still a lot of fear out there. And people have lost jobs, they've lost paychecks. And, and then, you know, this horrible event happened also, um, you know, which is obviously indicative of, of what's been going on well, since probably basically our country's founding. Um, but how, how just kind of trying to put yourselves in other people's shoes, giving everybody out there grace because of everything that has been going on. And like this situation that you just kind of said in the end, after a little bit of time, we kind of just all, all were able to settle down and not escalate it into something that, that hopefully no one ever intended it to be. Right. Cause I think that a lot of times that's what it is, is that nobody really intends for these things to get out of control. Just, it's a snowball effect that just rolls downhill and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's, that wasn't anybody's intention ever. Um, and I, unfortunately, because of everything else that's been going on in the world, you have a little bit more, um, volatility on everybody's part, whether it's the flight attendant, whether it's the, the passengers, whether it's the African-American community, whether it's the police community, because everybody has, has these things, um, that are, that are affecting them. Um, and all of us because of the virus, um, and, yeah. and trying to just kind of remember that we're all, we're all humans and, and hopefully if we can all just kind of relax and calm down and, and remember with the hope that, that people aren't doing that, um, 
with purpose and evil intent. And yeah. unfortunately, some people are. Um, but I, I don't think that's mostly the case. And kudos to you guys um, for, as a group, being able to kind of diffuse the situation and, and get everybody to where they wanted to go. Yeah. You know, and, and I appreciate you saying that because it really is tough sometimes. You know, you're, you're trained and focused on performing a safe flight operation, and now you're dealing with, you know, social and economic uh, turmoil amongst the passengers that now it affects you directly. And you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's not really what I'm here for. I'm here to drive the airplane, get everybody yeah. from point A to point B safely. And now you're looking at your captain who, okay, you can say that that's why they get paid the big bucks because they're the final authority on the aircraft and they're in command and, yeah. and they have to make these command decisions. And you would hope that they have enough experience to, to try to keep everybody calm and, you know, bring down the situation to where it's controllable and, and fixable and preventable. And, and, but like Rob was saying, until you're put in a situation unique to what's happening to you right then, right there, no matter how much training you've had, no matter how much you can talk about it in the past, until it happens to you, you have no idea how you're going to react. So, yeah. I was also thinking just now, brainstorming, you know, if you, you, uh, Let's let's run. I mean, there's obviously a bazillion scenarios that this could have uh, run down, you know, how this could have played out. But, you know, for our listeners that are looking to get into the industry or they're in the industry and are just learning about things um, uh, and like like we all are, you know, we've been here 15 plus or more years and we're always learning. But let's put ourselves, you know, let's take this this scenario and put it in an airplane in flight. Let's say we didn't diffuse the situation or we didn't handle it properly at the gate. We decide to take them flying and there's an issue in flight. You know, that can turn into something completely out of control. Yeah. And let's, let's even spin that into something even crazier. Let's, let's, let's do the trifecta. Let's have an, an, uh, an emergency situation. Exactly. Com- combined with this, uh, you know, stuff going on in the back, yeah. you know, we're trained to just, you know, aviate, navigate and communicate and land the airplane, um, you know, and we will most likely end up doing that. But to have that going on in the back of the airplane and, you know, you're trying to get the airplane on the ground safely, uh, it can turn into a, you know, big can of uh, big can of worms on you. you yeah. Know? So and that's just yeah. that's not something you need to be thinking about or have had your mind on when exactly. you're dealing with something. So you know you got to compartmentalize and and prioritize and and that's part Certainly of the training. Certainly adds to the stress level and you know that's the uh, I think we remember learning it back in the day the I'm safe <laughs> acronym. That's right. You know my, yeah. so you know that adds to stress. You know there, there's there's uh, a lot of factors that uh, you know you kind of have to um, manage and you know if you can manage your stress level that'll help you you know be a a safer pilot. Well when you have this going on in the back you're always going to be thinking about that when you're flying. So, you know, that can add to your stress level. So uh, anyway. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't the only incident that happened to me. As a matter of fact, the very next day on day two of my string of six days of flying in a row, I had an incident where uh, same captain, I'm flying, great guy, great conversationalist. And, uh, you know, we talked about what's going on with the, with the country and, and we, we really had some good conversations on the flight deck. And 
we did, were doing a flight where we were doing Phoenix to Sacramento. It was a turn. And then we were flying back to Phoenix. And so we land in Sacramento. Everyone gets off the plane. The captain and I are sitting in the cockpit. And he goes, hey, you know what? Uh, in the middle of this turn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the lav and uh, I'm going to go and grab a soda from the back. You want me to get you anything while I'm, while I'm back there in the first class galley? I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. Thank you. So he's, I can hear him kind of opening compartments in the first class galley. And I hear him telling the, the number one flight attendant, hey, you mind? I'm going to grab a soda. And I go, oh, yeah, help yourself, Captain. You know where things at? You know, so he's grabbing his things, you know. And, well, they started boarding because it's a turn. So as soon as everybody came off, the cabin cleaning came in, they cleaned everything, wiped everything down, emptied the trash, restocked what they could. And almost within 15 minutes, they were boarding. And the captain was just finishing grabbing his cup of ice. And the passenger that was seating in 2B comes on the plane. It's an older lady. She gives him a look like, (sighs) she goes to sit down. She pulls out her phone and immediately starts to take his picture. And the number one flight attendant sees this. And before she could snap out a photo, he kind of moves his body in front of her and says, what are you doing, ma'am? You cannot take our photo. We are federal employees and we do not give you permission to take our photo. It's not necessarily true, but okay. He did not give her permission to take our photo. So the captain was oblivious because he was like, oh, yeah, great guy. He gets in the cockpit. He sits down. And a moment later, the number of flight attendant comes down here, get a manager down here now. He goes, what? Okay. So in his haste, he puts down his soda and he immediately leaves the cockpit and runs up the jet bridge to get the the manager who was up there with their walkie talkie and her clipboard and everything to make sure that we were out on time and everything was going well. And I look over and he's, his mask is still sitting there on the, uh, (laughs) on the handle. I'm thinking, Oh, shit. Because <laughs> he's, you know, exactly what I was saying. You know, right? So he comes back down, he sits back down, and he's like, well, okay, you know, hopefully that we take care of. Let's just, you know, let's let me give you my brief because it was his leg and he's giving me the pre flight departure briefing. So in the middle of his briefing, he's like, yeah, we're going to take you here. You know, this is going to be our takeoff right now. And the manager comes in and she's like, Captain, I need to talk to you. He's like, what's going on? What, what's, what's, what's going on back there? And he goes, well, the, the passenger in, in 2B is very upset because you weren't wearing your mask when you were in the galley, getting soda, touching things without gloves on. And she's very upset. And, and I assured her that, you know, as the captain and, and stuff, but we were going to apologize for, for her seeing that. And he's like, wait a minute. It's like, wearing the mask is is something that's recommended if i can't keep six feet from people we've talked about this on on the show before it makes sense if you're within six feet of me then yes for your protection i will gladly wear the mask and because that's what we're saying to do right now um and our company is backing that up saying well whenever you're you know in the public eye try to wear the mask as much as you can if you can't maintain six feet from people and if you if you can then it's your option but you know we we encourage you i believe are the the verbiage is we encourage you to wear the mask yep and uh so he was like you know what we weren't even boarding he's like ah, whatever you know so he kind of now he's upset and uh 
And now the manager for that station was <laughs> explaining how, well, you know, in our memos, it says you're supposed to wear your mask during your flight duty period and all that. And he's like, you know, I'm not even going to bother. And I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on a second. She was taking your picture. <laughs> so I'm like, you're going to end up on Twitter. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I, I do not want to end up, not in that context. You know, I do not want to end up on hey, social media. See, he should have just immediately said, but it does say while you're drinking or eating, you don't have to wear your mask. Yeah. Well, you know, I get it. You know, and I didn't ask if her name was Karen. It probably, <laughs> it, it probably was. I'm just saying, I didn't ask if her name was Karen, but she was bent. She was bent, man. The whole flight. And then after we got up to past 10,000 feet, we're reaching cruise altitude and the flight attendant calls up and says, ding, you know, like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, man, I just want to say, uh, you know, I jumped in front of that bullet for you. <laughs> and the captain's like, what the hell happened? So we got the whole story and, and, uh, and he's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> he's like, God, you know, and so we had a conversation. And I said, look, right now, with everything that's going on, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but if I'm in the cockpit and you and I are flying together, obviously for safety reasons and you know, quick donning oxygen masks and the, the ability to communicate with ATC, the, the ability to communicate with you and not go, what, huh, what? Um, we, we obviously don't wear the mask and obviously we're, we, we're subject to temperature checks and you know, we have to sign fit for duty prior to every flight. And so... We're doing everything we can to stay safe. And I think in that professional environment, that's, that's all you can do. But when it comes to the public, if I'm at the airport and I'm not eating or drinking a cup of coffee and I'm just walking or I'm on the jet bridge or I'm in the terminal, even if no one's around me, I'm still going to wear the damn mask because I want to do my part. And I don't want to be the subject of ridicule from a Karen out there. <laughs> and for those of you named Karen that are not actually like that, I apologize. But, you know, I just, I don't want to have to deal with that shit. I don't. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to end up on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I just don't want to end up there. Oh, look at this pilot from Legacy Airlines. He's not wearing his mask and endangering all of us. You know, because that's... You only want to end up on the Squawk Ident podcast. That's, that's the only place you want to be right. in. Which reminds me, for all of those that are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, make sure you follow at Squawk Ident Podcast or Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident. And for those of you on the YouTubes, the YouTubes, yes, we're on there too. And I do post clips whenever I can because it does take time to make produce these videos, but I do post clips from the show so you can get a little bit of... You know, to see what we look like and, and a little bit of that dialogue. And they're there just to kind of tease the show so that you then go, hey, maybe I'll check out Squawk Ident. So, but check us out, leave us a review, let us know what's going on. But yeah, that is what happened <laughs> on my That's last crazy, man. Last couple trips. That's crazy. So I, I couldn't imagine. I, you know, now that you talk about it, I, I guess because of all the time off I've had, I've probably missed out on on uh some of those things happening and i'm sure it's happening all across the country in every you know facet of every industry or any customer service faced uh, industry going on i i feel bad because we i i uh we shouldn't have to deal with this and uh man it just it my my heart aches just just hearing about it and talking about it you know what i mean yeah it's just painful to me because i was never i personally wasn't brought up you know uh being racial or um anything like that and it just pains me just to hear about these things so being complicit is a crime rob 
being yeah, complete. Being silent is a crime, Rob. You right, cannot well. be silent anymore. <laughs> you have to stand up. And I'm and I'm oh. not <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like I'm making fun or light of the situation. I'm absolutely absolutely not. But yeah. this is where we this is what we've become. You know, here we are. We're aviators. We're at the tip of the spear yeah. here, trying to promote safety, professionalism. I mean, we're flying these hundred million dollar planes. It's a yep. lot of responsibility that we have upon yeah. us. And we have, if you just put a million dollar life insurance policy on every passengers, there's another 200 million per flight. So that's a lot of responsibility. Do you think that with all that responsibility, all that training that is bestowed upon us every nine, 18, 12, 24 months, whatever, that this is the shit that we need to be dealing with every day for every leg? It really isn't. But yeah, when I step foot in the cockpit, you know, I it regardless of uh, you know, sex, race, whatever, I give that particular individual, you know, my utmost respect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh courtesy, you know, ma'am, sir, captain, whatever, you know, even the flight attendants, I don't, you know, they're human beings. I talk to them exactly as wish I wish to be, you know, addressed and talked to. And um I, I do that to passengers and everything. And I just would wish that people would just pump the brakes, slow down, and just be, be human. You we know? need to take care of each other, regardless Absolutely. of race, creed, sex, orientation, whatever. It, that that exactly, really doesn't man. matter because that doesn't make who you are. Your character, personality, exactly. how you treat others. I had a conversation with my captain just the other day, and and Roger could probably chime in on this one because he's got two grade school children that he does a wonderful job as a parent, and I know he instills this in them every day, but this is something that we were talking about that I haven't heard in years, and that's the golden rule. I was shoved the golden rule every day of my life until I was probably 18 years old. The golden rule, treat others the way you like to be treated. I haven't heard that phrase in 20 years. What happened? That's a great question. I, I, I don't have an answer for it. That's one of those sad um, things about, about today's, uh, within the past two weeks especially, uh, but even before that in today's society. And, and you're right. I mean, I, with, my, with my two young kids, respect and responsibility. Those, I mean, I hammer them maybe even more than, than maybe I should, because I kind of like you were just saying, it's, it seems like there's a complete, not a complete, but a, a large lack of those two things, personal responsibility and respect for your, for your fellow man. You know, yeah. unfortunately there's going to be bad totally apples in, in, in every walk of life and every profession, there will be the bad apples and they are the ones that are going to, you know, give a bad name for the rest of us. Obviously this, this situation, we have an example of, um, of a police officer. Police officers are no exception. We have bad people that are bad people as police officers. And, you know, I, I don't want to pass judgment too quick, but it sure would appear as if, as if we've, we found, we found one. Where's the respect for your fellow man? Where's taking personal responsibility? I mean, how in your how in your right mind do you do something like this on video cameras with a bunch of people standing around? And I don't have the answers to that, but I do, I, I, 
as a parent, that's that's kind of what I feel is like my my number one job is trying to instill instill those two things. Um, respect for for everybody else, just what you were talking about, Tony. It doesn't matter who you are, what color your skin is, what religion you may practice, what political party you might associate with more. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody deserves our respect. And just like you know, they they should respect you. But regardless of how they treat you, we still need to treat everybody with that respect. And then you need to take personal responsibility for your for your own actions. And each one of us on the screws up take responsibility for that everybody exactly. screws up yeah sure but you have to be able to take personal responsibility for that stuff and you have to show respect for your fellow man because otherwise what are we yeah. i mean we end up in a mess of society which is kind of what's you know come to a head um and, and you know obviously you could definitely argue there's kind of a perfect storm of of scenarios that are happening to create that but you know again like you said tony we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be having to think about this when we're going about our daily lives um but it's just one of those things that there's definitely been a a lack of 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 those two principles and the yeah. golden rule yeah. simply treating others how you would like to be treated because you, you cannot tell me that that what i see on the news and i just like you know i think robin mentioned it before about how he had turned off the news i do the same thing but you cannot tell me that what we see on the news is people is people treating other people how they would want to be treated? It's not. It's, it's yeah. It's ridiculous. And here we are. Like, here we are on an aviation podcast where we talk about the journey of today's aviators in today's marketplace, and this is what we end up talking about because this is Dealing affecting with, us. Yeah. It's affecting us, and it's important to note. And and Roger, you did mention this that there are bad apples, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about. A profession. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a group, whether that's ethnic, whether that's political. It doesn't matter. There, you're always going to have individuals that are kind of what we like to label as the bad seed or the black sheep or of the of the group, where they're they're behaving badly. Their thoughts are negative or negatively affect others. You're always going to have that. And to say that one cop equals all cops is wrong. To say that one person or suspect equals all people of that type is wrong. Um, and I know that I've come across those situations over the past two decades where a flight attendant will look at me and occasionally, um, before they even get a chance to know who I am or to even have a conversation with me, they've already made a judgment upon me because I'm a pilot and therefore I must be a jerk or an asshole or whatever. And, and unfortunately we all kind of have these biases and we have to deal with them. And in a professional environment, such as an aviation career, you learn to kind of recognize and try to stay away from them. And you're always going to have that pilot, that captain, that first officer, that flight attendant, that gate agent, that ramper, that's going to just, they were having a bad day. They're going to treat you like crap. And just remember that just because they treated you like crap, doesn't open the door for you to return that unless there's something bigger going on that you can't control. The biggest test to a person's character is to be able to maintain their decorum in a situation in which they might even be baited into a confrontation. So unfortunately, this is what we were talking about in the past couple trips. Um, but 
there is good news in all of what's going on, and that is, and we kind of hinted Please on this earlier. It. We need good news, man. And we'll get to that right after the break. I have gone to Charlotte now for four days in a row. And the first few days, it was nowhere near as busy as normal, but like two or three eateries were open in their food court. And during an hour and a half sit, I have enough time to go and grab a meal or salad or something. And then yesterday, I noticed that there were more people there. More eateries were open. There were lines to get food and coffee. And we're talking not just like four or five people in line. We're talking like 20, 25, 30 people waiting in line doing their best to practice social distancing. Um, and today, I mean, I mean, yesterday, I had Carolina barbecue at charlotte douglas they reopened i got wow. some barbecue and some mm. uh, really good meal there and today i was like uh the lines are too long over there i'm gonna go over <laughs> to the taqueria place got oh, myself yeah. a little chicken bowl hung out there wasn't a place to sit every table was full i was lucky i got in line there was like five people in front of me and it was the shortest line of all of them that's why i picked it and i grabbed myself yeah. a had time to sit down and eat. And was that, I, today? that was today. And when I, I was going to say probably was because, because Chick-fil-A is probably closed. So they were closed today. Yeah. So the lines <laughs> were a little bit longer, yeah. uh, but then I looked up and I, and I counted, there were 38 people in line waiting to order. And it was just a rush. Wow. It was during one of the blocks, yeah. you know, and I looked around the Starbucks line was, was long. They were taking orders with a clipboard so that, while you're waiting in line, they're already working on your drink like they do over at In-N-Out Burger or one of these Chick-fil-A's over here with the drive-thru. They take your order with the with their tablet so that by the time you get up there and pay, it's already ready to go. They're doing nice. that at the airport. Now, That's good. mind you, not all the eating establishments over at Charlotte were open. And in Los Angeles, the same. Not all of them are open. A lot of them are still shuttered. Um, but with the lines that are there, it kind of feels like, why don't they just open up and, and, and make more money? The people are there, you know, the flights are full, the waiting areas are full, the people are sitting down. Yeah, totally. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Hopefully in the next couple of days, more and more eateries and, and restaurant establishments at the airports open, more and more people start booking flights and get out there because we're going to see the real test is in about 12 days from today. Because yep. all those protesters that were out there potentially exposing themselves to this COVID virus, uh, if there's going to be another outbreak, right. this is yep. it. It's going to happen in the next seven it's to, gonna to happen 12 in days. Minneapolis, it's going to happen in all the Los cities. Los Angeles, they, Chicago, yep. everywhere they protested, Charlotte. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see. And so be vigilant out there. Wash your damn hands and <laughs> don't touch your face mask and <laughs> all, the, all this stuff that we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, CS, or CNBC on June 4th published an article. I'm just going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, American Airlines, one of our sister companies, and other carriers are adding summer flights as passengers slowly return. This is an article by Phil Lebeau. American Airlines says it plans to fly 55% of its domestic schedule in July up dramatically 
from May when the airline flew only 20% of its schedule from the year earlier. American is increasing flights at a more aggressive pace than its other competitors, United, which is ramping up its July schedule to only 25% of what they flew during the same month in 2019. The optimistic outlook sent American shares surging on Thursday. The carrier gained 41% to close to close at 16 Dollars and seventy-two cents, the biggest one-day percentage jump since its merger with U.S. Airways in December of 2013. United gained 16% to $39.10, and Delta added nearly 14% to $32.38. Executives at the major airlines expect that demand below normal levels will force them to shrink. And that's kind of an inevitability that we were talking about earlier. American is cutting about 30% of its officer ranks, or about 20 positions, from retirements and open posts that will not be filled. Shuffling others, a spokesperson said Thursday, the airline is offering early retirements and buyouts to management and administrative employees, and last week said it would seek to reduce about 30% of those jobs, roughly 5,000 people. Airlines that took federal coronavirus aid are prohibited from laying off workers until October 1st. So we're going to start to see a shrinkage. That's what she said. Of the airlines. But, you know, we're probably not going to see these things happening until October 1st. What does that mean to the pilot group? I don't know. Uh, my fingers are crossed, gentlemen. My fingers are crossed. I don't know. Roger, I might be putting in my application to see if I can. Uh, maybe. Do you <laughs> well, want you know, a co-pilot? It's, it's funny. I, I got back <laughs> from this last trip just a couple days ago, and I had a family friend um, and one of one of her friends, apparently her son, she wasn't sure who he worked for. She couldn't decide whether it was Alaska or Hawaiian. And he was kind of, I guess he he knew what I did. And kind of was putting out feelers about because he was afraid he was going to lose his job mm-hmm. um, on October 1st. And it's kind of one of those scary things. You know, I haven't talked to him. I, I haven't called him yet because um, I got his I got you know, she sent me his contact inf- information because he wanted to talk with somebody. And it's funny, I don't know what to, to tell people. And my big fear is that you could have five, ten thousand pilots all hitting the street on the exact same day. I think that's kind of a really, it's kind of a scary thing. Um, you know, I just saw Delta earlier this week's looking at around 2000 pilots for their furlough. And, you, you know, you carry that out across all all the legacy airlines, all the major airlines, and, and it could potentially be 10,000. I do not think that it will, but um, it's definitely a scary thing when you, when you think about it because of that, that CARES Act that went through, it's going to be, all those pilots on the at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a scary time, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. you know, I'm hopeful that uh, yeah. not just for us, but for other airlines as well and other pilot groups as well, that we can start to see this increase of domestic flying and maybe even open up these international routes. Um, yeah. I think the hardball that's being played with the uh, the blocking of the Chinese international carriers to come into the United States until they allow us to go back into the Asian market um, is probably a good thing. Um, yeah. It'll force that international market to reopen. 
uh, because yeah. people need to get. I thought it. I read an article somewhere. I probably should find it and send it to you, but I think I heard that they're talking about allowing two flights a week from to and from China to begin here shortly. Oh, from uh, for an American carrier to do it. I think it's for American carriers, which is yeah. great, and you know, but yeah. at the same time, from an international perspective, where especially the the legacy airlines, um, the big three, get so much from that international yeah travel, and yet it's going to be so slow yeah. to come back. Yeah, it will be. be year, but I also think years. I also think we need to do it because I think that's kind of like the feeler, you know, the yeah. tester and the, the what do they call it. In the, the first flight into a storm. Oh, the probe. Or the, send or the, in the probe ship. Send in the probe. <laughs> yeah, give me your give me your report. Um, but real quick, I have a. Um, they're talking about the layoffs um, yeah. at Legacy and stuff like that. The, uh, um, what we say, thirty percent. I have a my neighbor actually works at headquarters, and um, he's he is very concerned for his job. He's been with the company eighteen and a half years. He's been a um, station manager at Omaha, um, at Columbus, um, LA. Yeah. Um, so he's worked his way up uh, the ladder, so to speak, to uh, the position he's at now. Oh, a legacy. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, you know, he's he's really concerned because um, he doesn't he doesn't know, and I'm sure everybody um, in in that building uh, doesn't know what their future holds. Yeah. Um, you know, with 30 to 40%, that's a pretty significant, um, you know, yeah. cut in, in, in workforce. Yeah. What do we and say about 2000, 2000 positions that they figured out? And and that includes administrative yeah. staff too. So, yeah. And what yeah. he's telling me too, is he's saying that that's what they told everybody, but it looks like it might even be more. Mm. So they, you know, the, the deal that he's dealt with is a really just a, a predicament for him because, um, Ultimately, um, he's he's at peace with whatever is going to happen. Um, and he's, he told me his story. He's like, man, I've been with the company for 18 and a half years. And I got to tell you, every year, there's always that threat that you're going to get laid off. And he said, now, on the, on, the, on, the, on the pilot side, the way things work, you know, it's a little differently because, you know, as the operation as the train, grows yeah. and everything like that and training, um, you know, you need pilots, you lose pilot pilots mandatory retirement said over here in, in you know in corporate um you know if they're if you're not performing um you know you come up for a review you know you may not you may not even expect it but that could be your last review uh -huh. and um and then they don't they don't get recall rights you know there's nothing there's not there's no furlough for them mm. uh, so when they are shown handed their you know papers they're out the door and they're yeah. they're done yeah, management, so, even pilot, even management pilots uh, yeah. are not represented by the pilot unions right. uh, yep. because that's a conflict of interest. So management yep. is management, and and pilots are represented by unions. And yep. and if you become a management pilot or a pilot that becomes a manager, you no longer are part of the union. So yeah, your recall rights are are out the yep. window. Basically, your representation's gone. Yeah, and so, I do believe. Scary. I mean, we always we always see it in some of the other. Uh, uh, social meds, I like to call it, um, that, you know, people say that, you know, uh, that legacy airlines is overmanaged, you know, there's just, we're, you know, there's a manager for a manager for another manager right. that reports to a manager who's the supervisor or he's the president or the, you know, 
vice president uh, or executive vice we president. We have sort of, of a problem of here. Of the, of yeah, <laughs> you apparently didn't put one <laughs> so, of the new cover sheets on your TPS. That's report. it. Uh, if you didn't get it, I'll go ahead you and make a, sure I get that back to you. I'll make sure they send it to you. I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's that's uh yeah, that's a shame. And and tell your neighbor, yeah. you know, our, our heart goes out to him, and we're and we're we're crossing our fingers for him that he, yeah, you know, thanks. has a he's, secure. He's a job good guy or, too, man. Yeah. He's such a good guy. He he's a he volunteers for you know all any all the nonprofits. He's a big big supporter of like the snowball yeah. um yeah thing that they do, and um you know how they do like the honor flights and everything. He's always um doing that stuff and it's, he's he's a really really good solid guy and oh, he's one of those guys that you hate to see you know yeah. get put in a position like this because you know he does way more i know personally than you know a lot of other people do so yeah you know there's gonna be some good people um that might be on the street pretty soon yeah well like i said we're hoping that this you know hardball move that had just came up with the president stopping because i didn't even know that i thought it was only cargo going back and forth i had no idea that asian carriers were allowed to bring people and take people back and meanwhile we were not and that to me just seems extremely unfair and i have a clip here from cnbc that i'd like to play and uh it indicates that uh the president has banned the chinese air carriers from flying to the u.s effective june 16th we want to get you some uh, news regarding uh, flights to China and vice versa. Our Phil LeBeau now has official word from DOT. Phil? Carl, these are details, and this is the order from the DOT, essentially calling for a complete ban on commercial airline flights from Chinese airlines starting on June 16th. If this goes through, and there's no reason to believe that it won't, this will effectively cut off flights between the two countries. Remember, the U.S. carriers, they suspended their operations starting January 31st. They haven't had any flights going back and forth, but you still had about 30 to 35 flights per week from China coming into the United States. So 30 to 35 flights per week were still coming in. And, you know, I see... You got to kind of take this with a grain of salt, too. Who's who's reporting this and what information? Where do they get that information? I do see yeah. Chinese carriers coming in mm-hmm. with their cargo. Is it? Uh, one, are you them, for sure they're 100% cargo? Yeah, we see uh, Air China come in all the time and they're 747, but it's the cargo, the cargo company. Yeah. Cathay, Cathay, Cathay Pacific comes in with their with their 747 freighter. Yeah. Right now I've time. seen uh, Air China, China Eastern, China Southern. Yep. And uh according to some of these reports even uh, one yep. called Zimain um uh, bringing in. Yeah. But even the cargo, I mean I know we're doing cargo. Legacy's yeah. doing uh, LA to Hong Kong It'd be cargo flights. interesting to know if if they know that if they're they, they may be passengers. Obviously I'm here I am sitting in my little house in in texas with no access to remember i'm the one that had the tv off the whole time <laughs> yeah well, from but what, seriously I, yeah. I look up and i see these planes landing because i live right on the approach path for uh for dfw and uh whenever i see those heavies coming in um the international ones are cargo planes ah you know they're all cargoes landing on one eight right yeah chicago O'Hare uh this morning you know we taxied past the international terminal and those gates were full there was not a single open gate and they were all international heavies 
triple sevens and and whatnot and yeah, it made me wonder. I'm like, I wonder if they have. Well, those wouldn't people. be cargo flights, would they? At those the, wouldn't be at the terminal. No, not no, at the those terminal. Those would be passing. Those would have to be passing. Well, in though, L.A. Uh, at the international, the Tom Bradley International uh, Terminal, there are four or five different Asian carriers. Air China Southern was parking there just this morning. So yeah, I. It could be passenger flights then. It could be, or it could just be that's where they're unloading and offloading their cargo bins because it's not a cargo aircraft it's a passenger aircraft so they still need the yeah, equipment to unload their cargo sevens load and unload cargo at the terminal at the too. gate yeah so it, it, yeah. it potentially could be but that's a good question and we'll look into that and uh, hopefully have an answer for you on on our next show where we we talk about this well and some more good news uh, i want to just move on and talk about boeing boeing resumes 737 max production this straight from boeing.mediaroom.com right off their own website in uh, Renton, Washington, on May 27th of 2020, Boeing has resumed production of the 737 MAX at the company's Renton factory. The 737 program began building airplanes at a low rate as it implements more than a dozen initiatives focused on enhancing workplace safety and product quality. We've been on a continuous journey to evolve our production system and make it even stronger, said Walt Odisho, Vice President and General Manager of the 737 program. These initiatives are the next step in creating an optimal build environment for the 737 MAX. During the temporary suspension of production that began in January, mechanics and engineers collaborated to refine the standardized work packages in each position of the factory. New knitting processes will also ensure that employees have everything they need at their fingerprints to build the airplane. So that's great news. Now, I have not heard a thing about if they fixed the MCAS system. Uh, I know they had software updates that they were talking about before the coronavirus took over every aspect of our lives and the news that we have on television. And I haven't heard a, a thing about recertification or approval for release. So this could be a quiet way that Boeing comes back to the market. And I'd be very interested to hear more about this here in the near future. Yeah, me too. It, it, and, you know, just, I, you know, obviously I fly the uh, 737. Um, with everything that's been going on uh, in the industry and, um, you know, outside of the industry, <laughs> the, uh, that whole uh, Max stuff has kind of been, um, you know, drowned it out by the news so anything and i knew and i know that before everything happened in march um they were really close to uh, getting that thing really recertified so um i just hope that they're ready to go because that's a great flying that's a great airplane great flying airplane i flew it a couple times and um you know hopefully uh that thing's ready to go and uh the timing of it you know is perfect when you know we need planes and we start ramping up our schedule we can start getting those maxes back online it still seems a a little odd because i think i mean they were building planes for what 10 months or eight months or something after they got grounded so there must be a whole backlog of them just sitting on the ground somewhere and then they start building they're all there in washington they're parked in the employee parking lot yeah (laughs) (laughs) has a a better idea about what they need to do now but i mean they must have 
a hundred of them sitting on on ramps like, like you guys were just it, talking it about. is incredible when you drive by the facility up there you know have you been to seattle lately tony uh no i haven't downtown? portland was the last trip i took that was even close so no i haven't yeah it's been a couple months since i have and when you drive by the facility they're everywhere yeah. i mean it looks like a, a new new you know, airplane sales lot <laughs> there. There's all different tail uh, liveries and. And who's um, going to be taking delivery of all these airplanes? And a lot of those orders were canceled as well. So yeah, yeah there was a lot have, canceled. Yeah. But I, you it, know, it American, odd, but, yeah. yeah. But you know, a lot of, I, I don't even know the whole business aspect of these things, but a lot of, a lot of companies um, will, will accept the order or, you know, place the order and then they'll sell the order to other companies. And that's how they make money on them. Uh, but I bet you this is uh, this is going to be one of those scenarios because of everything that's happened where you're going to get like buy one max and get the second one free. <laughs> <laughs> Two for <laughs> a, bog- a bogo on the, uh, on the 737 yeah. max. Yeah. Yep. And I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Google Maps over here. And even Google Maps has been updated because... Man, there's a lot of uh, brand new airplanes that haven't been painted yet yeah. sitting there on the ramp. Oh, and I'm like, there's a lot of them. I'm not like counting man. them, but there's a lot. This is crazy. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Well, you know, good for them. I, I really do hope Boeing's a wonderful manufacturer, and I hope they come back uh, stronger than ever. Um, yeah. So We need them to survive because it's, it's an American company, man. And, yep, they build good airliners, and their, you know, their de- defense division is amazing. Yeah. You know, Hopefully, yeah. just with a little bit more wisdom this time, a little yeah. more wisdom, a little more foresight. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hopefully, you know they they've got their uh, management, you know, upper level straightened out so that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. and hopefully they come back even stronger. And, you know, exactly. I think that that would be the the best. You know, that may might be the best scenario. Yeah. Um, that could yeah. have been. You know, yep. the one good thing that's come exactly. out of all of this is that I haven't heard a single pilot get in my face and go, "If it ain't Boeing, I'm not yeah. going." <laughs> Yeah, we don't hear that too much anymore. Yeah, well, I think it's because. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it's because a lot of these guys have been forced to fly Airbuses too. Yeah, and, and now they're like, "Wow, that's a pretty nice." Yeah, they fly an Airbus and they go, "Oh, <laughs> that was easy." <laughs> yeah exactly let's see there's an up button there's a down button <laughs> yeah my favorite larson's one of my favorite animators i think he has a cartoon out there and it shows the boeing cockpit it's got like a hundred million freaking clock dials and gauges and then you see the airbus uh cockpit and it's got a screen and it's got up down <laughs> and, uh, well, hey now that you're Land talking about up. it did you guys watch the spacex launch were you guys amazed at the cockpit of that capsule? Yeah. All touch screens? Have you seen the meme? There's like the first space capsule and then the space shuttle <laughs> and then now the SpaceX and the, that, you know. It's amazing the it's like transformation. MD-80 versus a... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, these guys are walking out in these cool space suits, you know. Yeah. What was it? Doug and Bob. What was it? Dave and Bob. Whatever. Dave and yeah, Doug. they're friends yeah. since they're talking, birth. Yeah. Calling them first names. And I'm like, this yeah. is so cool, man. Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, Elon's yeah. done a good job. I say go Absolutely. Iron Man. Go Iron Man. Um, yep. You know, and hopefully this will continue yeah. in spacex and you know now the next step is going to the moon i yeah. heard they're looking for pilots yeah well i might have i might be available at october 1st <laughs> <laughs> i like stuff that flies i can fly your ship and your rocket <laughs> yep yep yeah for sure 
Well, gentlemen, um, you know, thank you so much for sitting down with me today and, and talking about everything that's going on on this journey in aviation. Um, I do have some good news. Uh, last weekend, I was actually home and the family and I decided we were going to go for a drive and have a picnic at the park and practice our social distancing. And we tried to see the Blue Angels and Thunderbird flyover that was happening in our area. Unfortunately, we were about four miles away from their path because at the last second, uh, found out that they delayed their departure by about 20 minutes, and they took a different flight path than was published on the information we had from the internet. So for whatever reason, they took a different path, and we were we ended up at a park with a bunch of people, and we were like, oh, there it goes over there in the distance. <laughs> um, so on the way back, my wife goes, well, you got all your Squawk Ident promotional stuff in the trunk. Why don't we go buy some flight schools? And I was like, oh. Awesome. Let's go. So we uh, we ended up uh, going to a couple of the airports here in Southern California and walking into a couple flight schools and, cool. you know, walked in and I was renewed in my love of general aviation. It's been a long time since I've set foot on the tarmac of a small airport and watched people doing pre-flights on Cessnas and on Pipers and and I got to speak with some amazing people, some great flight instructors here in the Southern California area, and heard some positive news about general yeah. aviation. As a matter of fact, one of the flight schools said they have a wait list because what's happening is since the college campuses in the area have been shut down, normally the aviation programs have like very limited once maybe twice a week would a student go up with an instructor because they were juggling all the other schoolwork issues. And now people are doubling down and wow. they're flying two, three times, four times a week and, you know, doubling up on their lessons. And so hopefully we'll see an increase in qualified aviators that are interested in pursuing this field in aviation. And over the course of the next few years, have plenty of pilots to choose from. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, great news. I really yeah. enjoyed uh, meeting some wonderful people. Um, and, you know, we'll just... Anybody offer to take you up? No, not yet. Um, but I'm telling you, like, it's almost like getting bit by the bug again. I mean, yeah. I thought, you know, I, I go to work, I show up in my uniform, I day in, day out, I kind of do the same thing. You know, yeah. taking off at 189,000 pounds and wondering, yeah, maybe I should just go rent a Cessna for the day and putz around. Yeah. <laughs> You'd probably find out that those Cessnas would be probably pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be. You know, doing a forward Down slip. Low. You know, heck yeah. 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 You know, 1,500 feet above turns the ground. Around a point, baby. You yeah. may just scare yourself, too. Yeah, that, too. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, that where's the be. autopilot on this thing? That's for sure. <laughs> You're the a flight director. Wait. Flight director? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> So, Is that the guy know. that's in the tower? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but you were you were kind of making fun of me about the boat. You guys know what boat stands for? Uh, no, what does boat stand for? Break out another thousand. Hey, <laughs> it's true, man. <laughs> Single handedly, Rob's trying to keep the economy going here. Absolutely, we appreciate dude. it. That that stimulus check I got from the government is I'm being it's being put to good use. Many times over. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Looking for> it. <laughs> 
you took his stimulus check, his wife's stimulus check. His I didn't get a check though. Did you get a check? I got a I got a debit card. Uh, I got. I just had deposit. a direct deposit. Yeah. Here's a, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mine and was are a we getting another card. one? Is, did I did I understand that correctly? That a a new. I think I got the other one. The the, the I think I got like the another one. Probably going to do a second one, but that one hasn't been signed into. No. That one yeah. signed into law or agreed on yet. I didn't get very much, so I got like two hundred and seventy bucks or something. Like that. You make too much money because you're looking for boats. <laughs> I bought a boat. <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't bought it yet. We're still working on that. I haven't found the right one. I'm really rich. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just really some, stupid. That's what some it is. people trying to hang on their job, Rob. He's just trying to find the right boat. You know, Absolutely, let me give you some man. advice, Rob. If it floats, flies, or fornicates, I'm just saying. Just rent it, right? <laughs> That was the PG version. <laughs> that is the PG version, yes. I, hey, rent, don't buy. Yep. Rent, don't buy. Was oh, it? man. I think, uh, that, I think that might have been some wisdom from uh, yeah, but, old flight, flight school yeah. owner. Yeah, I believe that the was one of the T's. Uh, yeah, I think that was that the was, T1. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably heard it from T2. Yeah, I think that was the first time I'd ever heard it, but there's actually kind of a lot of wisdom in that. In truth, freaking lutely, man. That's a freaking lutely. Just saying. And he would he would do say it without a smile too, so you didn't know if he was serious. You're like, you you know, I just he, gotta he tell serious. you, the first my very first time sitting in a jump seat, uh-huh. I was a brand new hire and coming home from Dallas for the weekend and I was just, I they just handed us our uniforms and it's my first uniform at a, at an airline and I put that thing on and even though it was itchy and wool and what I was like oh this is awesome and and I go and I list on the computer and I show up to the gate and they're like well it's a full flight my dear um are you okay sitting in the jump seat in the cockpit? And I was like, hell yeah, yeah. let's do this. So, so I go <laughs> up there. That's what this whole and, thing's all about. <laughs> and I was, I was taught, uh, you know, early on, law primacy, you get taught the right way first. And I was taught, you always walk into the cockpit, and we've talked about this before, just look up the old uh, jump seat uh, episodes back in the early episodes where we talk about etiquette in the jump seat. So I walked yep. in there, and it was an MD-80. And I said, Captain, hello, how are you? My name is Tony. I'm a, you know, a pilot for so-and-so. And and for, for Sandpiper. And I was just wondering if I could ride in your jump seat today. Oh, sure. Welcome. Come on in. You know, welcome aboard. <laughs> Congratulations. New hire, huh? You know, that's so great that we're hiring again. And so he goes, all right, well, you ever been up here before? I was like, no, sir. It's my first time in the jump seat of an MD-80. He's like, oh, come on in. I'll show you how you come. This is how you use this and the, the oxygen mask. And here's the escape route. And, and make sure you pull down these stirrups right here on your feet because <laughs> otherwise your feet will be dangling, you know, and so... You know, and this was Dallas, Texas. So yeah, a little bit of that southern drawl <laughs> when he was talking. And so we get up to altitude, and, and it's a, it's a nighttime flight. We get up to altitude, and immediately, as soon as we're cruising, he gives us passenger PA, and then he turns the cockpit light on. He turns around and he looks at me, and he's like, "Oh, welcome. How you doing?" He's like, "So you're a new hire?" I said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> he's like, "You married?" "Yes, sir." "You got any kids?" <laughs> "Yeah, I got a, I got a six month old at home, sir." He's like, "Oh." Never mind. Too late for you. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Excuse me. Um, I really would like to hear what you were gonna say. Do you mind? He's like, he's like, well, I was gonna tell you, you know, don't do those things. Don't don't get married. Don't have kids. I was like, really? That sounds uh-huh. kind of that's that's terrible. Why why would you say that? He goes, find a woman you hate, buy her a house, and walk away. You're better off. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, oh my God, this is awful. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, and he, and he, and the FO turns around and goes, don't listen to him. I'm like, what? He goes, don't listen to him. He's going through his third divorce. Don't listen to him. <laughs> and he's like, that's right. My first divorce, I had to sell the boat. My second divorce, I had to sell my damn airplane. Now I got to get rid of my condo. What's next? The freaking cabin in Tahoe. Damn it. I'm never going to get married again. And the FO oh, looks man. at me and he goes, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a good story. Oh, Along the, I've got a very quick similar story to that. My, yeah. So I've been boat shopping, and the reason why I got into this whole thing is one of uh, our fellow um, legacy pilots uh, I, I was hired with, um, we've known each other for years. He was actually a um, tailwind flight instructor also. Um, long story short, single divorced three times just bought a boat his boat is awesome it's a very very beautiful big i mean very expensive boat and he's he calls me up and he's like hey man what should i name this thing and so he's running down the list and i just said dude why don't you just call it your fourth wife because that's how much it costs <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're, you're going you're gonna to use it for two or three summers like all the other ones, and then you're going to sell it. <laughs> I'm going to call Mark and talk to him about that. That's just yep. ridiculous. Mark, learn your lesson. Yep. 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 <laughs> so you're going to follow in his footsteps. I, I totally get it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Fortunately, my wife is on board with this. So this yeah. is, uh, that's, that's, if she's on board, then it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as you have her permission, yeah, then you're good I to go. To. Yeah, because yeah, or else I will be divorced. So. <laughs> I'll have to find one with sleeping quarters in it. Uh, and a latrine. Oh, jeez. Uh, or they call it a head. I think they call it a head on a boat. Head so. on a, uh, I, have to, I have to get all those uh, Mar Mariner terms down packed. So. That's right. That's right. I, well, I, got, I got the complete guide to sailing. Out. If you decide to buy a sailing boat, let me know. I'll, oh, I'll ship it your yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I'm too good. too complicated. <laughs> Not in a lake. <laughs> well, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that wraps up the show. I uh, just want to say thank you to both Rob and Roger for taking the time to sit down with us and and talk about what's going on in the industry. Uh, also, want to say thank you to the frontline workers, the doctors, the nurses the pharmacists, the EMTs, the medical techs, the firefighters, law enforcement, grocery store employees, truck drivers, firefighters, Amazon workers, and of course, all the airline employees out there that show up every day to work to provide the essential services that we do. I finally feel that we are getting over the hump. I know I said that before, but man, it was busy. Full flights. I'm loving it. And are you enjoying Squawk Ident? We really do hope so. Please visit our website at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. There you can check out episode cover art, episode archives, photos from the flight line, which we just added a few that Rob so uh, most generously uh, sent my way to put up there, um, and the pilot shop. And cool Squawk Ident gear there is available. You can also leave comments and audio feedback. And now there's a new tab on the website, and it's called The Guest Book. As we move forward with the Squawk Ident podcast, each guest I will be uh, 
requiring that they give me something to put up on the website because we've had a lot of positive reviews about being able to see these wonderful photos from the journeys of our guests that we interview here on the show. So check it out. Leave us some comments. And if you want to hear us talk about anything on a future show of Squawk Ident, don't hesitate to send us a message. You can also do that via direct messages from our social media accounts. We're available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now YouTube. So big thank you to all of you for your support and your feedback and comments. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast player and you like what you hear, please don't hesitate to subscribe, to like, and to give us a review so we know how we're doing. We do read them, and we appreciate all of you for taking the time to let us know what you think. Uh, Just recently received a review I'd like to share with you all uh, on Apple Podcasts uh, had uh, Flying Woody write in, gave us a five-star review. Hey, Flying Woody, thank you so much. That's awesome. He writes, as a pilot, I listen to many aviation-related podcasts. This one is becoming my favorite. Maybe because I'm in the same age range as the host, living through the same aspects of life, working full-time, raising kids, being a spouse. I find Aviator Tony and his buddies as being very relatable. Although I don't work in aviation yet, I really like the insight they give into their careers. They have lots of good stories and some pretty hilarious ones too. And being that the host lives in the Los Angeles area like I do, it's really cool to hear him talk about the places I see in my daily routine, such as no traffic during the pandemic which I'll make a comment on here in just a moment. I have an SEL commercial certificate. Congratulations, Flying Woody. Um, And uh, he's preparing for his CFI checkride. So we wish you the very best. And please reach out to us and let us know how that's going. We'd love to hear about it. Um, And he also indicates that uh, he'll see here in the near future what, you know, it holds for aviation. And we hope that we can all ride out this pandemic. So, yeah, Flying Woody, thank you for that uh, feedback, that wonderful review. We do appreciate it. And make sure you do send in reviews. Um, Traffic. Los Angeles. I've been, I bid early morning starts with uh, afternoon finish. No red eyes for this guy, right? If I can hold it, why not? Normally, I wouldn't do that because why would I want to? trug through two, two and a half hours of traffic bumper to bumper to get to the airport and then go fly for six or seven hours. It's, that's crazy. So I was okay with the fact that I was flying red eyes and things like that. But now with the lockdown and, and everything, I was like, well, yeah, I'll have a 6 a.m. start. No problem. <laughs> well, yesterday or actually the day before, no, yesterday, I had a 6 a.m. start. And so I left the house at 4.30 gives me an extra half hour for delays of any kind. You know, I made my sign-in by five minutes. <laughs> there was traffic. Wow. We're really? starting to see AM traffic during the week in Southern California. So, That's you know, good. I never in a million years would have thought that I would say, I'm glad to see the traffic's coming back. <laughs> I'll say, it's <laughs> reluctantly saying thing. it's good. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, I yeah. really do hope that, you know, we ramp things up. We all follow the golden rule. We 
treat others the way we would like to be treated, not just in the cockpit or on the flight line, but in every aspect that we have in the world. I want to also say one final thank you to Rob D. and Roger, Captain Roger, for being such wonderful co-hosts with me. Um, You guys make this show just so much better every time that we get the chance to do this. And I just want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tony. You know, I I love doing this with you guys and all the guests. And, um, you know, we do it for uh, guys like, uh, I think his name is Woody. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, thanks for listening. Good luck to you, man. Um, You have a pretty good future ahead of us, uh, ahead ahead of you, sorry. (laughs) Uh, And I look forward to hopefully flying with you one day, you know, in a cockpit of a big airplane. Um, So good luck to you. But yeah, thanks for having us on, Tony. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it as well. My pleasure, gentlemen. It's great to be back. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all of you listeners out there for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator keep the dirty side down be safe wash your hands and take care of each other bye y'all see y'all